What does it mean to be in relationship with God? And how do we practically live that idea out? Today on The Midweek Move, we're going to talk about that. To the Midweek Move, podcast extension of The Healing Place. This is the podcast where we examine the scriptures line by line, verse by verse, and ask ourselves, what is happening here? And today, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be continuing our journey through 1 John uh, chapter 1. Last week, we uh, we spent quite a bit of time just on um, the intro of John, where John's kind of introducing himself and the purpose of his writing. And now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Pastor Scott and I are about to kind of get more into the meat of things. As much of meat as you can say, last week was really meaty. Last <laughs> week was, um, I think it was Wagyu. <laughs> it was Wagyu. Not it's, Ragu. It was Wagyu beef. It was It was. Uh, it was meaty. It was very meaty, but it was very meaty. good. Um, but I'm excited about this week because um, he's really getting into this whole conversation about what it means to be a child of God or be in relationship with him. I think that's a great um, portion of our faith. I think some people, we don't know, we talk about the getting into relationship with God. We talk about salvation, know Jesus, repent. But what does it look like past that? What does that mean that now I have a relationship with the eternal God? I mean, to think about that, that whole mindset, it's kind of, it's kind of trippy. I mean, it's kind of one of those like late night, two o'clock in the morning, like I have a relationship with God. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> type of things. Indeed. <laughs> All right. So verse five of first John one, uh, this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you. Now he has already said this, mm-hmm. um, but he's going on with this. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. All right, so John, again, he, again, like you said, he's already said this. He goes, I've heard this from Jesus. I've physically heard him speak to me. I was there. I was present. And, but he brings out this teaching that Jesus brought, and it was a, it's a fundamental aspect, I would say very poetic uh, teaching also, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness. But the question, because it's a very poetic language, Pastor, what does that mean, this idea that God is light? Well, I could get very existential here, but <laughs> but really, if you if you go back to the very beginning, mm-hmm. that is where we see different aspects of God mm-hmm. as God, where God speaks, and we know that's the Word, mm-hmm. the Word of God. In the beginning, we saw the Spirit of God hovering, mm. waiting for God to speak. Right. One of the things that God spoke was, let there be light. Why? Because that light gave everything, not just exposure, but form. Mm-hmm. It's like if you're in dark and you hear voices, there is no form to that. Mm-hmm. You simply hear the voice. There's no form. There's nothing you can see. There's nothing that, it's, it's only what you can hear. And so when that whole aspect of light, Jesus brings that in his teaching where now he begins to talk in, in, in parables, even saying that in Christ now the disciples, the apostles, that they would be witnesses of that light. They would bring a light to the dark. He mm-hmm. talks about you don't take a light 
and hold it up and then put it under a basket. You don't diminish it. Right. Because it gives light to to all the darkness. Wherever the light goes, the darkness ceases. Right. And and so even going all the way back to creation, mm-hmm. the world was void without any form. It was void. Utter darkness. Despair. Mm. Utter darkness leads to despair. Right. Well, what is Jesus comes as the light of the world, and what does he bring? He brings hope. Right. To who? Those that are in despair. And so light is not just something as switching on a light. Mm-hmm. There, is a, there is an eternal supernatural aspect to it that it does something on the inside. The external does something on the inside. When he talks about light, it's not just, again, flipping a switch. It is on the inside of us. Before Christ, there's darkness, right. utter darkness. We're hopeless. Mm-hmm. We have no hope. There is no future if there is no hope. Right. And so when Christ comes, he brings light to the darkness and those dark places, which then brings life. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know if that answered your question. It does. And I appreciate the vocabulary. Like, it's defining. Uh, we were joking before uh, the recording of this. We, we have several lights in this room that we're recording in. And uh, our two key lights, which are the ones, aren't our key lights, our hair lights are the ones in the background. They went off during the last recording. We've Hopefully these last a little bit longer this time. But the purpose of these lights are to separate us, to give us definition from the blackness of the background behind us. Christ, God himself, is a light. He gives definition. He separates a very flat world and gives it definition and form. And when we're in Christ, suddenly our life is no longer flat and meaningless. There is definition. There is edges to go, this is where it goes. This is the beginning and the end of everything. On top of that, when you look at the scriptures of the vocabulary of light, it defines it in various ways of what it does. What is it? it says, the, the word is a lamp unto my feet. What is the word? Well, we know from, from First John, yeah, right. <laughs> the word was with God. The word was God. It, it gives us direction. It guides our path, everything here. In God, we have this light that gives us direction and definition. There is no darkness there. It's yep. all very clear who God is. Of course, we have that through the word here. The word. So, um, yeah, let's keep going. All right, verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Mm. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all uns. So as we continue through John, we're going to see John doing a lot of these comparative statements, these these huge contrasting things. And in this first one was kind of a, a test, a, a negative test of what it looks like to be in God and a positive. You know, this is like, oh, yeah, you're definitely walking with him, and this is you're definitely not. And we have this conversation about walking in darkness and, and walking in light. Um, but looking at this, this vocabulary, it seems to suggest that it's not concerned about the confession, because these are individuals who are confessing to know God, mm-hmm. but it's their actions. It's what they're doing. Verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him, so there's a confession, but walk in darkness, it's our actions, our deeds. He's saying that we're lying. We do not practice the truth even though our, our vocabulary may say we do. And then verse 7, but if we walk in light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, uh, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And this vocabulary here, it very much suggests that there is an action to our faith. Now, there are some, and we do not agree with this theology, that you have to have works to get faith or to, to be saved. You have to work to be saved. 
uh, we are very much in the camp of, it, Scripture says, we are saved by grace alone, by faith. But again, some would say this is suggesting that, that this is the um, suggesting that we have to work to earn salvation. Is that the case here, or is, it, or is he saying something else here? I don't think so. I think it's leading to fruit, mm. the fruit of living f- for Christ. Mm-hmm. He says, if we say we have fellowship, mm-hmm. that's not confessing Jesus as Lord. Mm-hmm. That's just confessing, saying mm-hmm. you have fellowship with him. Right. But there's another aspect to salvation mm-hmm. as believe in your heart, mm-hmm. not just in Jesus, but that Christ raised from the dead, right. resurrection, mm-hmm. which was one of the contentious issues in these days was the resurrection. Mm-hmm. The bodily form of Jesus even right. was an issue. John's been dealing with that. And so belief in your heart Confession with your mouth. They're confessing with their, ha- with their mouth, but it says you walk in darkness. There's no belief in your heart if you walk in darkness. Right. Because if you have belief in your heart, you're in the light. Exactly. Jesus is Lord. He is light of the world. And it says right here that you have fellowship with another. The blood of Christ, his son, cleanses you from all sin. That is salvation. Mm-hmm. And so there has to be fruit. You will know them by their fruit. Mm-hmm. If you want to put that another way, faith without works is dead. Mm. But we don't work our way to salvation. Jesus already paid that price. Right. We have faith in Jesus, mm. and then out of that is an outworking of our relationship, our fellowship, our kononia with God right. comes fruit. What is that fruit? Well, we know that fruit of the Spirit is peace and love and joy, long-suffering. Those things flow out of our lives. That is a result of our relationship, our fellowship with God. Right through Jesus Christ, who paid the penalty for our sin through his blood. Mm-hmm. And so, to me, this, this is not a very contentious two verses at all. Right. He pretty much says it all right there. Mm-hmm. They're walking in darkness. Right. There's no belief in their heart. Would you say this is akin to people who they go, well, I'm not a Christian, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. I'm a spiritual individual. Spiritist. Yeah, I would also say it's people that might fall in the camp of there is a God and I'm a good person. Mm -hmm. So there again, it is I'm trying to do my best to do good Mm -hmm. with no Christ. Right. And ultimately that fruit is very temporary and has no eternal value. Right. Absolutely. And again, that the Bible calls it fruit that remains. That's eternal. That's what we're after. We can't get that in our good works. Mm-hmm. We can't get that without faith. Right. We can't get eternal fruit without faith. Right. We can get temporary fruit, low-hanging fruit, with works. I can give somebody a cup of cold water, and they can say, thank you, that was refreshing. But that's it. Right. It doesn't go beyond that. Mm-hmm. But if I give that cup of cold water in Jesus' name, mm. now there's eternal value. Right. Now there's life-giving things taking place. That's right. Light to a dark place. Mm. Yeah. All right. Verse uh, 8 through 10? Uh, just 8. Okay, 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Okay, so I, I want to do this because I want to be able to address some of the heresies that people are taking place. One of the heresies being taught in the early church was the um, that wrongful actions no longer counted as sin in the for the people who were claiming to have fellowship with God. This is part of that secret knowledge that they had uh, that they was like, well, I mean, it's okay. 
I, I, I've been saved. I've been redeemed. Uh, I, God has forgiven me of these things. So therefore, my actions proceeding forward no longer have consequences of judgment. They have no longer have to worry about them. John is laying out very clearly that a denial of sin really is a denial of truth in of itself. And so, I, again, I, just, I want to put that because we're going to get to verse 10. There's going to be a, a reason for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's again, he's talking about if we say, he's saying this over and over again, mm-hmm. and he's going back to the teachings of Jesus that they honor me with their lips. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's a good, good point. They honor me with their lips. Mm-hmm. Not in my heart. Not in their heart. I'm not there. Right. Like, I have no part in them. Mm-hmm. Like, they honor me with their lips, but... They're not giving me themselves. Mm -hmm. And there lies the delineation of worship in spirit and in truth. truth. Yeah. Exactly. So good. Exactly. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Mm. So John, again, on contrast where people are saying, I have no sin, it's all good. He's saying, look... you know, if we lay out our, our sins, we we do this. We say that he that we have sin. We ask for forgiveness. He's going to forgive us. Whereas this contrast, people saying we don't need to. He's like, no, you need to. Okay, so let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. It says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Is that at salvation, or is he talking to them in real time? I think believe he's talking to them in real time. He's not talking to a group of unbelievers. This is written to a group of believers who. Um, are dealing with people who are falling away from the faith. And they're being told there's no consequences to sin. So he's dealing with a struggling church. Is there truth to the unbeliever? Yes, absolutely. But I think that he's dealing with people who are walking with God and they have at times struggled with sin. Not They're, they're not falling away. They're like, oh, forget all of it. But they're, they're like, hey, you know, I'm dealing with this. And I feel like Part of that may be contentious for some people because they go, oh, well, you know, if they're a person that's willfully sinning, then, you know, they're not really with God. Yeah, well, I say that because there's a whole level, uh, there's a whole stream of people who believe that you give your life to Christ and then to repent or confess your sin after that point is actually ungodly. Mm. And that Christ will not hear you mm. because you already did confess your sin. But kind of the, converse, the, the idea of crucifying Christ again uh, type of thing. Yep. I would challenge that with the fact that none of us are perfect. There is that whole sanctification process of walking out, becoming Christ-like. And the reality is every person goes through that. I believe that Peter had to repent of the sin of pride when he first confronted uh, Paul with the aspect of whether or not the Jews and the Gentiles uh, could get along, and whether or not you had to act Jewish. We read that in, in the book of Acts where there was a confrontation when Paul confronted Peter about it, and Peter's like, I was wrong. That's repentance. What was he dealing with? Pride. What is pride? Sin. And I really believe that there are people, as they walk through the process of sanctification, they're going to wake up to whatever it is they're dealing with. And again, I think the problem is when we say the word sin, we automatically think about the big things. Sexual immorality, drunkenness, all sort of stuff. But we forget anger, malice, um, and then Jesus takes things up to another, another level. Of you know, if you look at a brother with hate in your with anger in your heart, you commit a murder. I know I've been angry at people more than a few times, Pastor, over the few years. Yep. He says about adultery as well. It begins in the heart. Exactly. 
It's not even the action. By the time you get to the action, you're already there. Right. I mean, you're already there. Exactly. So, but yeah, there's a whole stream of people who believe that it's actually uh, uh, disconcerting and demeaning to Jesus to repent or ask forgiveness once you have received Christ unto salvation. Mm-hmm. Would those pe- and to never repent again and never ask forgiveness again. So, for those people, are they saying that once they do that, they are perfect in any action therefore afterwards well, they would believe that christ paid for your future sins too so acceptance of christ now means that everything's gone even in the future so which to me would would seem to lean towards pride and arrogance to think that there would never be a moment that you would not need to lay yourself before the lord mm-hmm. in repentance Mm-hmm. Again, repentance. Repentance in the Word of God, all throughout it, is not significant just to salvation, mm-hmm. because again, repentance was a, a, a shift and a turning away, and a change of mindset as well. So, for me, like I don't think that if I am, if I am walking with the Lord, I love Jesus. Again, I'm not perfect, which means I'm going to hurt somebody at some time. I'm going to offend somebody at some time. I'm going to I'm going to have whatever you want to call it. I would call it if it's in direct violation to the word of God and I'm not thinking about Jesus and putting him first and I go my own way, I would say that's sin. Mm-hmm. That doesn't cut me off from heaven. Mm-hmm. But also, I don't think I can look at that and go, oh, I prayed that prayer like 30 years ago, man. Right. I'm good. Like, I think that would be the height of arrogance and pride for myself. Absolutely. Of, I would, I don't think that I, I really don't. Again, we're, we're not in a mega theology. This is absolute truth, but <laughs> it's not my opinion that I'm, a, that I would get to heaven and God would be like, man, I, I just really wish you wouldn't have repented of that. Mm-hmm. Like, I really wish you wouldn't have asked forgiveness for that. How demeaning was that to me? Like, I, I don't see that. I can't I can't get that in my brain that right. that would be a thing, that the Lord would honor. Because, again, through Paul's writings, through all the New Testament, Paul's not talking to a bunch of unbelievers in his letters. Right. Yet he's telling them to repent over and over again, especially the church at Corinth. Yeah. He's telling them to forgive and be forgiven He's going through all of that, so I don't, I don't even see where they can really find that in the New Testament writings of Scripture. Yeah. Because, again, it is, it's almost like saying, like we dealt with a couple of weeks ago on campus and online, uh, the healing place, which was John 20, where Jesus has received the Holy Spirit. There are some of the same people that are in the upper room, and they receive the Holy Spirit. So why did they need the Holy Spirit again? Mm. They're already saved and sealed for heaven. Mm-hmm. Receive the Holy Spirit. Why again? Well, they receive the Holy Spirit unto salvation, new life. Now they receive the outpouring of the Holy Spirit for power. Right. Two different things. Not different spirit, Mm-mm. but different outpourings, different uh, gateways of the Holy Spirit. Right. I agree with you. I think that this is a... Again, this is part of the conversation of, of sanctification. I but believe- again, it's also not, um, what is it? Is it nihilism? 
that is like you're just wretched and terrible and horrible. I think that's what. And it you is. have to confess yeah, yeah. like every single day, every single mm-hmm. second, you know, and and you're scourging yourself and all that kind yeah, of. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah. You know, we're not talking about. And I think that's again, we have these extremes that take place where people go, they're they're that way. They're just wretched all the time, and they're you know, woe is me because they you know, said a bad word when they stubbed their toe. All the way to the people who are like, well, I mean, I can go out and get sloshed tonight and sleep with three women, and it'll be okay. And it's just because grace covers it. Because grace covers all. That's yeah. not it. No, because that's an issue of the heart. That is. And I think that there is a there is a middle ground here. And then you can also take the letters that Jesus wrote to the churches. Mm-hmm. Churches, not unbelievers. Churches. Mm-hmm. And how many of them did he tell to repent? Yeah to turn away from what they were doing, and then you'll receive this. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just so much in Scripture that I believe backs up. Again, not that we're in this perpetual cycle of 24-7 <laughs> repentance, you know, because that leads to legalism and the right. law. You know, the, the the letter of the law kills, right. the Spirit gives life. So, mm-hmm. all right. Well, I'm going to ask you one question, though. Okay. Uh, the, the, the vocabulary here of he's faithful and just, what does it mean that God is faithful and just, and why does that affect us in this case of repentance? Yeah, God's faithful to his word, and so what did he say about repentance? He said that forgiveness of sin, all of those things, God's faithful to his word, but he's also just, which means he's a God of justice. Mm. And as it has to do with sin, justice says there has to be shedding of blood. Mm -hmm. That's why John mentions the blood of Jesus, Mm. is that there has to be a shedding of blood. For remission of sins, right? Hebrews, um, and that goes all the way back to the Old Testament. But now we have a pure, spotless Lamb, which is given for us in the form of Jesus Christ. And so, when it talks about God is faithful to His word, to accomplish His word, to fulfill His word, to do what He promised, but He's also a just God. And a lot of times, people can't equate the justice of God with the compassion of God, mm. and His. <laughs> Your kindness, Lord, will lead me to repentance, right? But in that, there was a lot of correction. Mm. The kindness of God is not God making us feel good. The kindness of God is to grab us by the hair and rip us from the fires of hell and the mountainside from walking off of that cliff Mm. and set us on a narrow path with guardrails. Right. People think guardrails are bad. They're not. Right. People think the commandments of God are bad. Oh, we don't have to live according to that. No, God set that. He set it in stone. Mm. <laughs> and he didn't do it to, to, to put this massive amount of law on people, but it was guardrails of how to live so that they wouldn't cross over those areas, mm-hmm. which we even saw at the giving of the law of the commandments, is that people couldn't wait for, for the word of God to come. They had to create their own. Mm. And when they created their own, to, to, to take care of their flesh and their fleshly desires, then we saw 3,000 of them die at the giving of the law. But at the giving of the Spirit, we see 3,000 come to new life. Right. And, and so when, when we see that we're just, our God is a God of justice. Right. And He is a judge mm-hmm. and will be a judge. Right. We cannot separate that. Mm-mm. It's all a part of who he is. Right. And again, sometimes we think things are bad, but it's not bad. It's the justice of God, and it's actually his compassion. It's not his anger. It's not his wrath. It's his compassion. 
that allows those things to happen to bring us back to him. Yeah, absolutely. Because he's a just God. Exactly. And again, there is no remission of sin without blood. Yeah. The fact that he was willing to go the extent, the length that he did so we could have that opportunity is a sign of his compassion. Yep. Because again, his justice, sin has to be judged. And it is his faithfulness that he says, I told you this was going to happen. and But I also told you that I will faithfully forgive you if you repent. Yep. And the, we're dealing with a church here that is, they have people that are getting away from that. And they're going, well, Jesus isn't the Christ. Christ isn't even actually a physical individual. doesn't matter what's going on here. There will be no judgment of people at the end of it. And he's like, no, no. There, I, God is faithful to judge you. He's faithful to forgive you if you are willing to do this. And then he he doesn't land it because, again, there's not division <laughs> of chapters and all that right. stuff. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, mm. and his word is not in us. Man, that vocabulary right there. There was a I was reading one of the commentaries, and it says, you know, is this nothing more than a mirror? Verse eight, and what the way that's been broken down that verse eight portion of it. Um, if we say we have no sin, it's dealing with individuals who say, I don't, I don't sin anymore. I'm good. I'm forgiven. I'm past that point. Um, this is dealing with the people who go, there's no such thing as sin. God has deceived the world into serving him through fear mongering. There's no such thing as judgment. There's no such thing as his coming down and, and, and saying that we, um, that he's going to judge anything. And so what we have here is is we have this bridge of 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 uh, John going to those of you who say you don't have sin anymore, you're just done. No, there will be judgment, and for those of you who don't even think there will be judgment at all, period, it's coming. You are living a lie, and you need to understand what this word says. You have no fellowship with them if you are in either one of these camps. Yep, you have no koinonia. Koinonia requires us to be in this as a whole. Which he's already talked about the importance of fellowship and what it is. Right. Now he's saying, remember how important that is. Mm-hmm. And if you function in these things. And again, I think whenever the word of God is attacked, the deity of Jesus, mm. the virgin birth, the sinless life, the death, resurrection of Jesus, whenever God in his uh, in his in his omnipotence is attacked, it always goes to the place where people try to create God in their own image. Mm. And that's the biggest level of darkness, destruction, whatever. Most of our issues with God have been when we try to make God in man's own image. Mm. So when we take the horizontal and make it vertical, well, my dad was a um, an abusive, horrible man. That's the way I see God. But it's supposed to be top down. Mm-hmm. And that is that God pours out his love and his grace and his mercy upon us. And now it's through that lens that we're supposed to see the rest of humanity. Yeah. And yet what we do is when we do get off track, the way that John is telling these people not to, we now take that which is horizontal, we take it vertical, mm. and now we blame God for all of this. Mm. But when we receive from God, then we don't blame other people for who God is. We actually forgive them. 
for who they've been mm-hmm. because we see them through the eyes of God. Because we have fellowship with it. Right. We have kononia. And Jesus said, you know, when they asked Jesus, why do you do this? And why do you do this? And why do you do this? And several times in scripture, he says, I and the Father am one. Mm. And only do what I see the Father doing. We're one. We're in kononia. We're in fellowship. Why did I just heal that one guy at the pool of Bethesda? Because that's what the Father was doing. Yeah. Why didn't I heal everybody else if I'm so awesome and wonderful and I just love everybody and i just going to do everything all the time? Because that's not what the father was doing. Right. What the father was doing was in the heart of that guy right there, the one 38 years. Right. It was in him. Mm. Why that guy? Because I and the father are one. I only do what I see the father doing. And that only comes through fellowship. Absolutely. Well, guys, here in Second Master Pastor, give us his final just thoughts on this on this first chapter here. But I want to encourage you, maybe you've been listening and you're like, you know, I do not have Konia. I fall in that camp where I thought maybe I just I prayed a prayer once, and I'm just going to do whatever I'm going to do, and you just walked away. Or maybe you're listening, and you forgot that God is just. And you forgot, though, that he's also faithful. Mm. And he wants to redeem you. He wants to restore you. We want to pray with you. We want to encourage you. Reach out to us at MediaHub at THBStreetPort.com. Uh, find us on Facebook, Midweek Move. We want to encourage you and walk you through this next step. We want to pray with you because this is what this is about reminding us of the faithfulness and justice of God so that we can be his children the way he's called us to be. Pastor, any final takeaways for folks? Uh, I don't know. It really has landed pretty uh, heavy here at the end of just being reminded Mm. of that God is faithful and he is just. And in that justice, I am so thankful for the blood of Jesus. Yeah, Because without that, um, I know this is going to sound very theological. It would not be good. Yeah. <laughs> it would not. I be mean, good. just because of the justice right. factor of it, that sin has to be judged. Mm-hmm. It has to be. Um, but I'm so thankful for the blood of a spotless, perfect lamb mm. that came um without any fanfare, without, he had no form, no comeliness. You know, Isaiah talks about that he was despised and rejected of men. He didn't come as that conquering king. He came as, you know, one that nobody saw coming. And yet when he came as that baby, the least of society got the first glimpse into him. The shepherds were hearing from heaven (laughs) and the heavens had been as brass for 400 plus years. And the shepherds, the lowly shepherds, you know, are smelling like sheep and they're terrible. And all of a sudden they're hearing these things and they're seeing these things and they're getting this amazing promise. And these magi are coming and all these people are, all these things are happening. And how could they have known that that would be the spotless lamb who would provide sacrifice for all mankind? Mm. And just so thankful for that today. Good deal. Well, like I said, we can encourage you, pray with you, reach out to us, mediahub at thbstreetport.com, or you can find our Facebook page, Midweek Move. We genuinely want to walk with you guys through whatever your next step with God is. Have a great week. <laughs>